Hello and welcome to the Busy Bays Podcast, where we provide valuable insight and advice on the marketing and other business type questions that auto repair shops encounter as they work towards achieving their goals. Now here's our hosts, Martin Morgan and Becca Hackley. This is the Busy Bays Podcast, a podcast that's all about being the ultimate marketing and business resource for auto repair shop owners. We have an exciting episode planned for you today. Not only will our listeners be able to hang out with Martin and myself, but we also have the founder of Find a Wrench, Jay Gonan, in with us. Jay, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me and uh, getting through my last name. You did a really good job with it. Yes, that's the goal. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's uh, It throws everybody for a loop, and it's, uh, it's a lot of vowels and ends, so I commend you on that. I did I tell Becca I, that I was glad that that she was going to introduce you with, with the last names, so though. I appreciate that as well, Becca. <laughs> well, I realized I, I didn't practice it before I started, and then I saw your name. I was like, oh, well, we're just going to wing it, but yes, glad. I'm you, glad you I didn't butcher it. No, you're good. You're good. And also important to point out that that Jay is in Wisconsin, which is where, uh, although we're very thankful that Becca decided to move to North Carolina, where Becca is originally from as well. So you two have that connection also. Yes. Yes. She's the one. She she got away from Wisconsin somehow. I don't I, it doesn't happen very often for us up here. It doesn't feel like until retirement age. Uh, everybody <laughs> tends to stay here. I don't know, Jay. I think you get me to move down south. I'm telling you, sunshine. I agree. <laughs> I, I 100% agree. I think it's something with the. I don't know what it is with Midwest families, but uh, trying to get like we we got really close to moving to Phoenix, probably about three or four years ago. Like really close. Wow. We were going to list our house, and like we were we were moving, and my family threw a fit. Like they were not happy. My sister was irate. Uh, so. Oh. We stayed. True Wisconsinites for you. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's a it's a weird, weird thing. But uh, for whatever reason, I, I don't know if my family doesn't understand that there's like planes and stuff that you can go back and forth. But I, 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 we're, we're still working on that. It's hard to beat that family closeness, though. You know, at the same time, it's a it's a compliment to those relationships, really. Yeah, it is. And we're close. So I, I get it. It's uh, it is a uh, it's a unique challenge. So, Jay, we could probably throw 100 questions at you uh, today, but before we start to throw any at you, uh, I'll, I'll ask you to describe for us or, or tell us more about what you all do at Find a Wrench. Yeah, so I, I think I'll start by kind of talking about uh, the two separate companies, right? So we have Find a Wrench and Wrenchway, and they're they're really two completely different animals, but really trying to get to the same thing, right? And so on the finder wrench side, it, it really is a recruiting type of company, but really we're, we're doing more of the getting the job out there and, and getting people to notice your job. So we cast a wide net uh, by posting jobs kind of all over the place. So whether that's, uh, you know, the Indeeds or the ZipRecruiters, uh, wherever we handle all of that work. Uh, we do have our own internal database that we do marketing to, uh, to try and, uh, make them aware of job openings in their area. And then uh, we're, we're very, very um, strong with social media and Facebook in particular. We're, uh, I think, a part of over 600 Facebook groups 
and uh, we're actually the administrators of a lot of them. So uh, in, in that case, on the finder wrench side, really what we're trying to do is get visibility to your job. And we do that by casting a wide net and, and do all of the work that normally goes into uh, a busy shop owner's life of trying to get people. So uh, the finder wrench side is very much that way. Uh, the Wrenchway side is a platform that we launched about a year ago, and it really is kind of what uh, what Zillow is to real estate uh, to technicians, right? So technicians are able to go look at uh, shops' profiles and really kind of do due diligence on a shop. They can see photos of the shop, what it looks like, what kind of equipment they have. Uh, we have an under the hood section that answers all kinds of questions from compensation to benefits. And not only like just that we offer benefits, but you know, what kind of health insurance you offer, how many vacation days you get and how you can earn more. Um, all the way through work environment, uh, we actually have a question on there about uh, asking folks about uh, what their policy is on side work. Uh, again, kind of a an elephant in the room type question that we, you know, if I'm a technician, I want to know that up front. So if I, I want to know what I can get fired for, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And, and so uh, rather than skate around it and have it be an elephant in the room, we want the shops that are on top shops to be able to um, to be able to kind of clarify that. And then we do go into career development, uh, really giving a tech an understanding of what training opportunities are out there, you know, what management opportunities are out there if they want it, if they so choose to work that way. Uh, and really walk a, a candidate through the hiring process from the time that they put in their application to the time they know if they're if they've got the job or not and then we actually just added video on those pages as well and the video is really cool because it's it's really kind of showing off your culture and it's showing off the the other techs in the shop it's showing off the management uh, and really ultimately what you're trying to do as a technician and a shop is find the right fit for the right person at the right time. And uh, and I think that is is key to the industry as we move forward. Uh, we, we have a problem with getting people into the industry, but we also have a problem with keeping them here. Uh, there's a lot of technicians that elect to leave the industry. We wanna make sure we get them in the right spot so that they're comfortable and happy uh, and wanna stay at their place of employment for a long time. And then uh, lastly, we just recently launched, uh, probably about a month ago, uh, something called Wrenchway School Connect. And what we're trying to do there is get more people into the industry, right? And ultimately we're doing that by allowing uh, schools to ask for stuff. So uh, a school can go onto the Wrenchway platform and say that they want somebody to talk to their class or they need a training aid or they need um, you know, an apprenticeship uh, or they, they need somebody that's got apprenticeship opportunities. And then industry can answer the call on that. And that's a free tool for both shops and schools um, and something that we've we've seen a lot of success with already. Uh, a lot of schools are very, very excited about it. And it ultimately is to kind of generate more conversations. And we wanna create a healthier foundation to this industry uh, where you know there are enough techs to fill all of, all, all of the jobs. We're still a long way away from that. So we need to work together and uh, as an industry, and, and this is our tool to uh, to give out so that people can use it and engage with schools in their area. Does that all, does that all make sense? <laughs> it does. There's there's a lot there. There's a, there's a lot to potentially unpack. And what I really like is you've got 
uh, by knowing better both sides, both the employer side, the shop side, as well as the employee or tech side, and the focus on culture, you're really looking to make matches on both sides for relationships that are going to be longer lasting. And I know you, you and I talked about culture a little bit a couple weeks ago and how important that is, Jay. And, 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 and I just like what you guys for sure are, are doing in, in that way to try to match people for the, for the best fit for the place yeah. that's gonna work best for them. And on the other side to help bring employees to the shops in a way that's gonna help them fit well. And, and would you say that that, that approach is, is underestimated these days? Yeah, yeah, I I 100% think so. And I, you know, the, the fit and those that are familiar with shops and no shops know that when you bring somebody in that's not a fit into a shop and doesn't fit the culture, I think culture sometimes can be used as kind of a buzzword, but when when you get somebody that's not a fit into your shop, it it interrupts the flow of everything. And it could just be varying personalities, it could be uh, varying values, uh, obviously with <laughs> like heated political races in the last year, if you get those people in the same room, oh, like it's, you have to make sure that it's a fit and that you're not upsetting the apple cart. And if you're intentional about building a strong culture and maintaining the culture that you already have, if you really like it, that next person that you add to the team is vital. And it, it is really, really important that you get the right person, not just another warm body. And, and you mentioned, Jay, as far as being in a shop and you've got the great advantage because you really grew up working in your family's shop. So yeah. how did that experience shape what you have built at Find a Wrench? Well, I think it had everything to do with with us knowing the industry and uh, even seeing the opportunity out there to start a business in this. It, it really it, it shaped me from a really young age. I started working at my dad's shop when I was nine years old, and it was more out of necessity because uh, my parents didn't have any money. So it was uh, it was trying to you know figure out ways that you could help. So during the summers, I'm you know answering the phones as a nine year old and as a, uh, a nine-year-old with a really, really squeaky voice, I'm sure that that was, uh, that was entertaining to, uh, to, hear, <laughs> to hear that. But it, it did shape so much of, of my outlook and what I see with the industry. I think as I left my dad's shop and went to other opportunities in the industry, that's where I started to open my eyes to, hey, this isn't just a problem with my dad's shop. This is a problem everywhere. And, and that was kind of, that was the unique piece of, you know, I grew up in a small town in my dad's shop. And then once I was able to get out and explore other shops, um, it, it really, you know, it, it broadened my horizon and it really showed that there was, there was a huge issue out there. So um, that, the, that, that definitely had a huge, huge impact on, on my life in general, but then also the business that we've created. You, you really lived and breathed just being a nine-year-old in your dad's shop and experiencing living every day, answering the phones, like you said, but then also working alongside and seeing other shops in towns and other local areas. So when it comes to actually recruiting and hiring and employing the technicians, what's so different today versus 20 years ago? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it starts with the core understanding that there's there's just far fewer technicians out there, right? I think shop owners 20 years ago could put a an ad in the paper and have 
10 resumes sitting on their desk the next day uh, of people that wanted to work there. And that shifted so much in the last decade in terms of the the amount of people um, that are out there, right? And so there's just simply not as many people. And that's really changed the industry and the demand for technicians. And I think a, a lot of shops see the pain in that right now, right? Like they're, they're seeing the pain in that what was once easy or, and, and not even easy because I, let me go back a second to kind of my upbringing. One of the funny parts about Finder Wrench was the name, the reason we named it Finder Wrench is because my dad said when I was a kid, I can't find a darn wrench anywhere. And that's what he was talking about. He was, try, he was trying to find a tech. And, and so he couldn't find them, uh, but it's gotten drastically harder since then. And, um, and so when you look at simple economics and, and you really phrase it kind of in that, or look at it in that fashion, there's just not enough supply to meet the demand right now. And not only not enough supply, but not even anywhere in the ballpark of enough supply to meet the demand. So that's created just a completely different uh, uh, kind of uh, environment for a shop looking for a tech. And it, it really has shifted the leverage from the shop to the technician where, you know, 20 years ago, that technician might've been really, really happy and, and feel lucky to have that job. Uh, whereas now, if we're being realistic and, and being honest and candid, they can go anywhere and work. They, they're, they're the, the options are unlimited for them. And, uh, and I think that's where, you know, just trying to get a paradigm shift amongst shops in general uh, to look at this a little differently is, uh, is a unique challenge, but something that I think we're, we're working on. We're trying to educate shops on that piece and, uh, and just knowing that, Hey, you know what? It's not like it was 20 years ago where you put an ad in the paper and, uh, and have a bunch of applicants the next day. It takes work. And that shift, Jay, you and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago as well. And, and and I love that you said about it because it's true, is that repair shop owners should really focus on talking about what makes them unique as an employer when they're recruiting. Yeah, that's a that's a point where we see a lot of repair shops struggling. Explain a, a little bit why that's so important. You already have to some extent, but you yeah. know, further on on why that's so important these days. Yeah, I, I think. When you look at it right now, one thing that I've I've been talking a lot with shop owners about is that it might it's probably harder to find a technician right now than it is a customer, right? It feels like everywhere the shops have plenty of work. What yep. they're struggling with is the people to do the work, right? And so when when you're looking at it from that from that that lens, it is vitally important that you're always looking and that you always have a plan and you're executing on that plan. And I think when, when we talk about the plan, it starts with the fundamental understanding of what is different about you and what makes you unique. Uh, I gave a presentation in Minneapolis a few years ago, and one of the things I talked about, and I, I wish I would use this exercise more often, to be honest, and, and I might start using it again, but I, I was in a room with a, a group of shops and I said, okay, raise your hands if you uh, supply uniforms. And so everybody raised their hand. Said, raise your hand if you have health insurance. Everybody raised their hand. Uh, raise your hand if you, and we just kept going through all of these and even got more specific. And the one thing that I said then is, okay, look around you. How unique are you really? Like how unique are these things that you're, you're promoting to a, a technician 
And it it really landed home. You could see the light bulb go on in a lot of their heads, like, oh my goodness, we're we're not as unique as we thought we were. Yeah. But the thing is, they they are unique. And and each place has a different culture and different leadership. And it just takes that true understanding. And you guys know this from the marketing side of knowing what's unique about you, right? And that takes a little bit of maybe self-discovery and and sometimes I think shop owners are a little uncomfortable with wording like that, but I, I do think it's really, really important to sit down, understand what makes you unique, what makes you a good place to work at, um, you know, and it can't just be that you provide uniforms. You have to, like, that's the expectation. You need to add something over and above that. And if that's, you know, at, the other thing I guess to add on to that piece is too often I see you know, in a job ad that, you know, we have a great family atmosphere or we have great management. And I always chuckle at the management one because it's typically the manager writing it. Like how, <laughs> how, how do yeah. they know that it's great management other than that they assume it is because they're doing it. So, uh, you know, that, that those are things that if you can be specific and really understand what makes you different and, and really ask yourself the question of, okay, that shop that's five miles down the road, Am I really that different from them? And if the answer is yes, and you know why, that's great. Like use that to your your benefit, use that to your advantage. If you don't have a clear understanding and don't know, it's time to hit the drawing board and, and really try to figure out what your value proposition is for a technician because you are directly competing against those people for, for great talent. And, uh, and you need to understand that and you need to know that. And that's kind of, to me, the foundation of, what makes a shop unique. And then another kind of good benefit out of doing that exercise is that when you sit down and do that, and maybe there's some things that aren't so flattering. And if you're if you're a good manager and you're able to look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, we're maybe not as strong in this area as we should be, then look at ways to improve it. Because you wanna, by doing that, the chances that you retain the people in your shop only improves, right? If you make their lives better as a result, the chances that they're going to stay increase dramatically. So I think it's just a good exercise to sit down and do anyways. You also mentioned that, I mean, technicians, like they can get hired, you can get a job anywhere. So the whole culture and differentiation of just really pulling the uniqueness out, I mean, well, to me, it's obvious, I guess. But when I'm actually the one applying for the jobs, like what is going to stand out to me? So everything you said was just like, I'm not even a tech or a shop owner. And it's like, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Martin and I have talked to a shop owner where, where they have like gas cards or something yeah. where they pay for cell phone bills of their techs and all that. And I think that's so cool. Like that's like a huge weight lifted off your shoulder each month just because your shop pays for it. It's so that's, that's huge. Yeah. And like my, my dad does that at his shop and I think it's hugely progressive for kind of an old school guy, but he, he does, yeah. He does, uh, most of his techs that work at his shop drive from at least 45 minutes away. And so oh, by wow. providing, yeah, they're in a small town, so you kind of have to pull from other areas. And so he gives them all a gas card. He pays for their gas to get to and from work every week. And wow. that, that's been a huge, huge benefit for his staff, right? Because they're, you know, it, it takes one other worry away from them of, you know, I, I would take that job, but if you, you know, you kind of calculate in the two to $300 I'm spending a month on gas, then, you know, or whatever right. it is, 
you know, that that probably makes it less attractive. So if you're able to kind of take that piece off the table, it's another it's another benefit. It's another thing that is a really, you know, it's really valuable to a tech. And honestly, all the the benefits and the uniqueness of it, it brings us just to the key point that relates to the interview and the interview process as well. You mentioned earlier about how big culture is, which Martin and I couldn't agree more, but how should an interview with a candidate for a tech position look different today than it did, you know, just like I said earlier, 20 years ago, a lot has changed. <laughs> it has. And I, I think the very first thing that I would say and where shops lose the most technicians uh, and interested technicians is their lack of response time, right? So it's it's not like it was before where you could wait a week and call somebody back. Now it's if you don't call them back within 24 hours, the likelihood they're that they're going to answer, they're gone. They're gone. The, the likelihood they're even going to take your call at that point are it's slim to none. And so, to me, that is the the number one issue that I see is lack of response. Now, as far as the actual interview process goes in general and how it differs from 20 years ago, when you're sitting in that chair across from a technician, you're probably trying to sell to them as much as they're trying to sell to you, right? And and you are probably in a position where you need them more than they need you. And I, I think that that is just such a such an important piece to take away from from our interview here today is that when you start to understand that and start to know that you've got to add value for that technician in order for them to to pull the trigger and go to you, uh, that can change the way your business operates. That can change the quality of people that you get. And and really, if you're proactive and you 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 run like your pants are on fire when when a technician applies, it will help you drastically. And it's because not everybody's doing that. We work with shops obviously every day. And that is one of the most frustrating things to our recruiters, to you know anybody on our staff is is that uh, lack of response time. And we get it, like it, it's busy, right? Most most shops are just swamped and buried, and they're they're hiring us for a reason, right? They need techs, and they don't have time to go find them. But if you're not good at that response piece and and really kind of being active with these technicians, you're missing out on a huge thing. And I think it really goes back to you know, I, we work with a lot of coaching organizations and, and a lot of management books talk about this. Uh, the E-Myth Revisited is a great one that talks about it. But when you start to work on your business rather than in your business, this is a working on your business type of thing. Uh, when you become the, your people manager and really, uh, you know, I it's funny, I, I've, I was in conversation with somebody talking about human resources departments and you don't really think of the word HR or human resources as like a literal thing, but that can be the most vital piece of any business. Even if you don't have an HR department, who are the quality of people that you're bringing in? And once you get them in there, be top notch, be world class, show them, you know, show them the red carpet, like do whatever you can to impress them, even if they're not a technician that you're going to hire, right? Because that can set the tone for maybe them talking to their friends or, you know, and and really when you make your shop so desirable that you you do have text clamoring to get in your doors, that changes the interview process. That changes because then you're in desire again. And that's that's such a such an a, important understanding um, and, and core to the interview process in general is just that piece. Now, as far as the interview itself, 
I think being prepared is such a such a big piece, right? And when I say that, I think a lot of us were really used to just having a conversation with somebody when they come in, right? You're trying to get to know them, you're trying to get the, to know their technical skills, um, and so the more prepared you can be on what questions to ask, and and really, you know, how how mentally involved and focused on that person you are, the better interview, uh, the the better you're going to give an interview, and um, you know, I think everybody's got different styles, so I won't I won't talk to a specific style, but there are differences in personalities, and and um, I think again, going back to self reflection and looking at how you interview uh, can have a, a big impact on uh, the interview process in general. Jay, there's just so many good tips that you're sharing with the audience here, so <laughs> I, I encourage you all who are, who are listening, you know, please please take 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 Jay's words to to heart and. and the, the tips that he's giving as far as how to approach the, the thought of hiring somebody and culture and recruiting and all that. Just really, really good stuff. Uh, and we're going to ask you for a few more. So so one of those yeah. one of those here would be so for an auto repair shop owner who has an opening for a tech today and, and probably we would all agree it it's almost too late to be doing a whole lot. Uh, but but yet, yeah, you know, we, we all find ourselves in those situations. Right. So for that shop owner has an opening today, what is the best way for them to connect with quality candidates? So a, a couple of things here, right? And and there's a lot of shops that are in this this position. And and I think we'll dive into the the piece of kind of the plan and making sure that you're executing on the plan. The one thing I'll say here is you want to be intentional about your process, right? And so when I say that, you can't just put an ad on Indeed and hope that somebody answers it, right? Like it, it does take time and maybe that's going and and building relationships. And some of that is more of a long-term strategy than a, I need a person now. But I think you do need to manage your expectations when you are looking for a technician, right? I, I think it's really, really hard, right? When you've got customers coming in and you're saying, hey, we're you know two weeks out before we can touch your car, that's just lost revenue over and over and over again. And it really is frustrating and demoralizing for a for an owner or a manager, right? Like that's not a fun thing to tell people that you can't do what, what they're they want to pay you money to do. Uh so I think that the the one piece that is really important is that you get kind of you get grounded, right? You get where you're not thinking in an emotional state. And the reason I say that is that can lead to a lot of poor hires is if you're just hiring because customers are yelling at you, you're going to hire somebody and they might not be a great fit. Like we talked about at the top of the podcast, we're wanting to find fit, right? We want to find the right person for the right job. And if if you're just frustrated because you can't find somebody and you make a bad hire, that can, you know, it's almost like one step forward and 10 steps backward, right? Like you're, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. Now, I think it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of, you know, it, it, it takes help sometimes, right? Obviously we have a service that does that. There's other services that do that as well. I, I think it's just so important to kind of stay positive, get a plan, uh, you know, where are we going to post these jobs at? How, you know, who are we going to reach out to? Am I talking to the local tech schools? Am I talking to the local high schools? Uh, you know, it, it, who am I talking to 
and and really kind of cast that wide net like i talked about what as far as like what we do on the finder edge side the more you can do that the more chances you're going to have at somebody and it's still not going to be easy and it's still probably going to take a little bit of time but you need to know that up front and and you need to be able to put together a plan to run shorthanded for a little bit and be able to kind of uh, start actively recruiting does that make sense Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And we know that shops are swamped, like you said, and it's more so in the interview process, they're looking to impress the interviewee rather than the interviewee almost impressing the shop. But I get that there are some shops who may be in good shape and they feel okay with where they're at, but there's always the repair shop owner that we talk to even who, I mean, they don't currently have an opening for a technician, but they're going to anticipate that pickup, you know, summer months coming in, coming in the next six to 12 months. I mean, what should they be doing in this moment for hiring, uh, just looking forward at the future? So this is, this is something that I think is so critically important that not a lot of people do and that is that's when you start to plan that's when you start recruiting when you when you have a good foundation in your shop already and you feel comfortable with it that's where most people stop right and and that's i hate to say it, it's just wrong like it, when you do that the likelihood and i think we get really comfortable in the old style of thinking that people are going to stay with us for 30 years and we're just you know we're content with the group that we've got Obviously, things have changed a little bit. I think the average stay for a millennial at an employer is around four years. And I would venture to guess that's far less for a millennial technician, right? Like, especially with uh, people throwing money at them and, and really just all of the opportunities that are out there. So coming to the realization that, you know, I need to be looking even when I don't have an opening is a is a really challenging thing again you're still busy yeah, even if you're full staffed you might even be busier because you're trying to uh navigate schedules and and navigate work and all of that but and i learned this lesson the hard way myself right i had a technician i was managing a shop a group of shops but this particular shop was a long time struggle to find technicians for we finally got them in the right place to where they had enough techs and good techs, you know, just a really good diverse skill set in the shop of, you know, they complemented each other really well. And then, you know, just when I sat back and I'm like, hey, you know what, we did a pretty good job getting the shop together. And, and uh, you know, it seems like we're, we're making progress. Up. Yeah, yeah. Kick my feet up now. Uh, one of them got in a car accident. And oh, it was yeah they were down i mean extensive surgery uh and they, i think they were out of work for you know like six months so that was a a tough lesson he did recover by the way uh but that was a tough lesson on when you get comfortable that's when the kind of the bad stuff happens and then again we were in a smaller area actually that was kind of a small area outside of an urban area. So you kind of had a mixture of uh, big population, not too far away. But for whatever reason, that area was just really, really tough to find talent in. And had we just continued to look, I think we would have done a lot better for ourselves in the next hire. And that's just the, you know, it, it's, it kind of stinks to look at a shop that way and, and, you know, almost have a negative feeling of like, uh, this isn't going to last this way for very long, right? Like this, something, something's bound to happen. 
but I think it's also reality. And, and uh, you know, I think that's something where when you get comfortable, uh, that's when things start to go awry on you. And, and rather than putting yourself in a position like we talked about with the last question, where you're desperately looking for a tech and you've got customers screaming at you, you're actually in a really good position if, if your, your staff is steady, but keep looking, keep going, because that's, if you're able to find that rock star tech, uh, you never know, maybe you find a spot for them in your shop or you uh, maybe sub them in for somebody else. Or, you know, th there's a variety of different things, but that's a heck of a lot easier of a problem to solve than uh, the problem when you are desperate for a tech and you need anybody to come in and, and uh, work. And Jay, when you say keep looking, like even if your foundation is completely set, uh, do you recommend people posting stuff like on social media or is there like a, a big go to that you tell shops to do besides obviously using Finder Wrench because hello, yeah. that's helpful <laughs> beyond everything. <laughs> I have literally told shop owners before that have called me and, um, you know, and called us that they want to hire us. And I said, before you hire us, I looked at your website and you have nothing that suggests that you're looking for a tech. Why not? Like <laughs> yeah. go, go, go to your website and put something out there because most likely that's the first stop somebody is going to look at. And if you have a way, you know, you have, you have something and, and granted most 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 websites are customer focused as they should be. You're trying to get more uh, more sales in the door. You're trying to get more customers and sell more labor. But it's not hard to put a hiring tab out there or work with your web developer, you know, like you guys to to be able to to make an ad that says, hey, you know what? We're always busy. We always are looking for rock stars. Like put that message out there. And I think you'll be surprised at some of the people that come in. Again, that's part of a long-term strategy, but uh, that is something that drives me crazy is when people are, they, they call us to, and they hire us, but we're like, just put it on your website first, like try that. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we can kind of go from oh, there. Geez. Yes. And that's uh, like an easy fix too. And then, and then I'll let you go, Martin, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say the same thing. You, you would hope that, that they, they do as much as they can from that standpoint. And I do have to say, Jay, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the always be recruiting approach. That, that's really, you know, as as managers, as owners, that's a, a responsibility that you, you've got to be ready to fill that hole when it happens. It's not necessarily a cynical approach. It's it's just a, a realistic approach. You know, things things don't last as, as long as they used to, like you mentioned, as far as the tenure that employees have with with employers uh, now that that's definitely important. Is there, you, you've covered a lot of good ground here. Is there a common mistake that you find shops making when it comes to recruiting or hiring that you haven't yet covered? And there may be a bunch, but you know, what yeah. would you say is, is the most likely or the most common one that you come across? I think the the, the most common mistake, and we, we kind of touched on it, but this is, I can't stress this enough, is when you get comfortable and stop. Um, because that puts you in a world of hurt at some point. And, and really, you know, when we talked about Wrenchway and the need to find the right fit for the right person at the right time, that is, that's the key right there, right? Like if, if you keep looking and you keep trying to find pieces and you're really, 
you know, when, when you kind of turn yourself into a, you know, almost a recruiter yourself or really just a, a almost like a talent evaluator, right? You, I'm a big sports fan and you look at like a college team and, and uh, how much recruiting goes into it and how the best programs have the best recruiting. And it's no secret that, you know, if you're Clemson or Alabama or whoever, that you're probably going to have a shot at the national championship because you've got the best players with the best coaching. So if you feel like you're the best coach and you need some better players, then you need to hit the recruiting trail. And, and that probably needs to be a core foundational piece of your business. And, uh, and I cannot stress that enough. I think the, the biggest mistake people make is they get comfortable and they stop. Uh, and if you, you know, for those shop owners or managers listening out there, this is that that is if you take nothing else away from this conversation, it is that like keep going, keep keep recruiting, keep getting your message out there. And and I know some people are shy about putting help wanted out there all the time because then it looks like they're constantly can't keep people there and all of that. But that's where the wording is important too. make sure that you you have it, uh, you know, kind of phrased that we're just a busy shop. We're always going to be busy. We're confident in that. And we want to bring more people on and keep adding to our, our, our really team of superstars. And you can be a part of that. And I think the more you can get that, that sales message across again, with the foundational understanding of what makes you unique, um, you can make your life a lot easier for the long haul. I love that idea of the evergreen ad when worded very well can, can be definitely effective. Yeah, and I, I would encourage shops to get their, their you know, if, if you are working with a marketing company, make sure that you're getting them involved with maybe the message or that how the message is written. Because that, you know, somebody that has experience in writing copy and, and being able to actually just put some thought into the writing piece uh, is really important. Our team here does that, you know, from the, from the get-go with all of our clients is just to talk with them about their ad. Uh, some have some very, very well-written ads, some don't. And uh, we just think that that's a really, really important piece. Well, Jay, I mean, I want to go back and listen to this entire thing because <laughs> there are so many things that I feel like we could make podcast after podcast after podcast. So, Martin, maybe we have Jay come back sometime because there's so much that he covered here. <laughs> Thank you so much for just answering our questions, dealing with all of the the talking i know it can be a lot but oh my gosh finder wrench is knowledgeable and i really really appreciate your time oh my goodness thank you for having me on i i uh i really really enjoyed talking with both of you i'm a big fan of what you guys do and and uh i just appreciate your time and, and what you're doing for the industry as well so thank you very much yeah just a, a whole lot of great information here jane and and we we thank you for that we thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. We appreciate um, you as as listeners. We encourage you, if you are not currently subscribed to the Busy Base podcast, please go ahead and do that. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we will work to continue to bring you uh, great information uh, like we were able to today. Uh, and much thanks to, to Jay for, for helping us with that. Thank you for listening to the Busy Base podcast. If you want more information about this, please visit myrsw.com and go to our resource center. We plan on hosting a podcast each month, so subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, I just have one last favor to ask of you. It would mean a lot to us if you would share this with 
your friends, or another shop. Our goal is to help auto repair shops succeed so you can help us achieve this goal by just telling someone else about the show. Thanks again. Have a great day.